Welcome to selfdiscoveryradio.com where the orchard of wisdom is just ready for picking. We celebrate your why, the journey that you've taken that inspires someone else. We support your services. We support your story. Come and be our guest. Become a host. Be an author with us. Come see what we've got. Our next show is... You know, one of the things we've been talking about in this new podcast series, uh, Midlife Strategy for Full Life Living, are all the kinds of things that we as women want to think about as we age. And I am so excited that on The Wellness Journey, we've had such fantastic guests that have come on and have given us information uh, ranging from nutrition to fitness to dealing with grief, even interesting information about dreams and how they can contribute to our wellness. And all of this, this information is designed to give you a strategy of how you want to approach midlife and alternative ways that you can be well in your mind, body, and spirit. Well, today we have something that I think is uh, particularly important, and that has a lot to do with being mindful as we age. Um, You know, we live in a multitasking society. I know I'm guilty of it, and you probably are too. I mean, how many times have you uh, been driving somewhere and you get to the next place, you don't wonder, how did I get there? I mean, you know, 20 minutes later, you're at the place and you don't even remember the stoplights or the freeway that you're on because you're so busy thinking about what's going to happen when you get there or what happened before you got in the car. And very rarely are we as mindful as we should be when we're driving. Well, the same thing happens when it comes to living our lives. We want to be able to leverage our moments so that we can be present and really get all of the wonderment that comes with living our lives. You want to check in, not check out. And today we have with us Julie Potiker, and she has written a wonderful book that really talks about the importance of being mindful. Her new book is Life Falls Apart, But You Don't Have To, Mindful Methods of Staying Calm in the Midst of Chaos. Julie is a mindfulness expert and author, and she's also an attorney who began her serious study and investigation on mindfulness after graduating from the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program at the University of California. I've had the honor of having some wonderful conversation with Julie, and she really has so much information to share about the importance of being mindful and how to be mindful. Julie, welcome to The Wellness Journey. It's wonderful to have you here. Oh, I'm happy to be here, Linus. Thanks. Well, thank you. And thank you for the conversation before. I feel like I found a friend. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's terrific. It's terrific. So tell me a little bit about this whole mindfulness thing. You told me something that I didn't know. You said the movement started in 2014, uh, really got started. When did you start getting interested in the whole idea of mindfulness? So, so mindfulness-based stress reduction actually was a course um, that was started in 1979, the year I graduated from high school. It's so crazy to think that it's that old. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. It was this bunch of like spiritual seekers that went to India and they came back to America. And one of them was the young doctor, John Kabat-Zinn, who's now an old doctor. <laughs> and he, um, he was trying to figure out how to help his patients in the pain clinic at University of Massachusetts in, um, in Worcester. And he, stripped all of the Buddhism out of the meditation practices that they learned when they were in India and created this eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction 
to help the people that were having chronic pain. So flash, you know, fast forward almost 40 years, um, that course has been built upon by gazillions of other curriculum, but it's also been heavily, heavily tested and vetted by science. And the cool thing is, is that we're living in a time now where science has, is corroborating these spiritual practices that have been effective in certain populations for literally thousands of years. So that's what's super cool. And what I said to you before when we were chatting was mindful self-compassion. The, the teacher training for that started in 2014. Um, mm -hmm. I was in the first cohort of teachers that, that became trained to teach that class. But that class is built upon the mindfulness-based stress reduction kind of eight-week format, which teaches people what mindfulness is, which is feeling things in your body. And then the self-compassion part is being kind to yourself and being connected to common humanity, which really does help stave off isolation. Yes. And, and so the whole cannoli of all of that is that it's all evidence-based. So they've proven that not only does your blood pressure and your heart rate go down, but your well-being goes up and it's tremendously helpful in um, healing people with anxiety and depression. And then there's also some other weird, cool um, statistics that studies have shown that it helps people maintain their diet and um, it, it, it can even help people with math. I mean, it's, there's some strange, like wacky studies that have come out, um, but Suffice it to say that there's thousands of studies that show that these things work. So well, you know, it's really fascinating because you're absolutely right. They're now applying um, in our traditional medical circles some of these things that have been practiced for centuries yep. uh, in other cultures. And they're finally, like, finally got the memo all of yep. a sudden, and they're applying it. And some of my most favorite practitioners are the integrated docs that uh, might have been traditionally trained, but they've opened up their sphere of reference, and they have included now that mind-body-spirit approach when it comes to healing overall. Why do you think it's important for women in particular? And of course, I'm speaking of women in midlife since those are my passion and a lot of, of midlife women uh, listen to this podcast. But why do you think it's important uh, for us to be present, to be mindful? Well, I think that as women, especially midlife women, I, I feel like we're the nurturers and, and we're, we're kind of the custodians of our families and of our planet. And I think that we need equanimity. We need balance. And um, I don't think there's anything more important than waking up in the morning and going to sleep at night, having gotten through the day unscathed. Yes. And, and then how do you do that? Okay, there's 30 different ways to do that. Let's learn all of them so that one of them is going to work when you need it. Well, let's talk about some of those 30 different ways. That's fascinating. You're saying that there's 30 different ways to be mindful. What, what are some of those ways? Well, so there's different tools that you can use. Like in my, um, in my class, I have these river stones and I pass around a basket and people will choose a stone. And so 
I call them I call them here and now stones, and I I always have one in my handbag that I can reach if I'm starting to feel a little bit out of my body because it's a tactile thing, and there's um, there's brain science that backs it up. But you when you're looking at the stone and you're feeling the stone, you're breaking the recursive loop of worrying and ruminating. We're wired as primates to worry and ruminate. That's what kept us alive for these millennia, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you want to give your brain a break because you don't have a tiger chasing you right now. You're having a negative thought because you've got a negativity bias because you're a primate. It's not your fault, right? So you want as many as you want to use as many skillful means as you can to stop worrying and stop ruminating. That's interesting because remember the whole idea of the worry stone? That's really where that comes from. Uh, being able to uh, feel the stone and you rub the stone and they say that you, if you rub the stone, it, it, it uh, takes your worries away. And it's the same kind of thing that you're talking about in, in terms of almost pacifying ourselves. We mentioned earlier when we were talking about the certain parts of the body uh, right, so that's rub. yes, that was really awesome. Yeah, so that's soothing touch. So if you put your hands on your heart or on your face or on your belly or hand in hand or or hug your arms, one of those ways that you touch yourself is with intention to soothe yourself is going to work. And when you do that, you're going to downregulate your stress hormones, which are the cortisol and adrenaline, the fight flight freeze faint hormones, you're going to downregulate that and you're going to allow yourself to release oxytocin and endorphins and soothe yourself. And it actually happens quicker than your brain can do it, which is, which is like the brain science, which the brain science is really what jazzed me and why I went so deep into this topic. I started um, even before mindful self-compassion um, teacher training happened. I started taking the neuroscience classes from the, um, NICAM and from Sounds True and got really deep into um, Buddha's brain and hardwiring happiness, the stuff from Rick Hansen and took his classes and did a couple of his trainings. And um, it, it's, it, that's what really hooked me to all this, that you actually have way more control than you realize. Well, yes, you talk about in your book about uh, how mindfulness can rewire our brains for happiness. Right. How does that work? It's by taking in positive mental states and making them a trait. So a neural trait, because what wires together fires together. So when you're looking at a sunset and you say like, wow, that's beautiful. What's for dinner? No, it's like, wow, that's beautiful wow, look at those colors. And then you watch the sky for a breath or two. Bingo, you just rewired your brain for more happiness and resilience. That's all it took. That's really, all it took. really being present and experiencing the colors and how it yeah. makes you feel and going through that whole thing instead of just, oh, yeah, look at that, and then going on to something else. Exactly. And as many times a day as you notice any feelings of awe, every time you notice it and you take it in, you're – you're creating new neural connections in your brain that will make you more happy and more resilient because the more of those you have, it counteracts your brain's negativity bias. You know, it's, I, I, it's a way to create an upward spiral. 
I love the idea of that. And it seems like it's so simple. And the reality is it really is, but we have to unlearn some of our habits. I mean, how many of us have, for instance, gone for a walk, but not really looked at what was around us? We're looking at our iPhones or we're listening to the music or whatever, and we're not aware. Um, I go on gratitude walks because I really believe in the power of gratitude. And one of the things that I do as I'm beginning my walk is to take notice of what's around me. And it's amazing how vivid the colors become. Uh, right trees and how beautiful the sky is and the warmth of the sun and everything seems so brilliant now mind you i've been walking this trail for like 16 years but it wasn't until i started decided that i would do these gratitude walks and really begin to notice things around me you know being more mindful that i got a completely different kind of experience from it. so lennis every time you do that you're rewiring your brain for more happiness and resilience every well, time you do what I call I would call that a sense and savor walk mm. which is like noticing the sounds noticing the sights feeling the air on your skin you know really opening all your sense doors and really noticing everything and then allowing it to move you right mm -hmm. like when you said it you it felt so everything seems so brilliant allowing, yes. allowing that awe and being grateful for it that rewires your brain and it's interesting too because a lot of us um we get so busy almost working on not being mindful working on not feeling things because we also talked before we started the broadcast about some of those other emotions that don't feel good like as i shared with you and my audience knows i suffered uh, from an anxiety disorder for a long time and part of my anxiety disorder process was to do everything i could not to feel it and of course what would happen is it would get worse not better and you said something today that I just love about the fact that if you don't feel it, you're not going to be able to heal it. Yeah, what I said was, if yes. you can feel it, you can heal it. Right. And if you resist it, if you resist, it persists. Yes, that's right. So talk to us a little bit about that. Why is it important for us to feel our emotions? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think we're going to need two hours for the answer to that. Why is it important for us to feel them? So, um, so you have to allow the feelings, you have to acknowledge that you're suffering in order to give yourself kindness, in order to work through the feelings, in order to let the feelings go mm. and change the channel. You know, you, you can't short circuit that because if you stuff it, it'll just come back and bite you in the butt. Um, it's just the way, the way we humans are. You, you have to work through your stuff. It do, it's not going to go away. People say, oh, I'm compartmentalized. That's how you end up with an anxiety disorder, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's absolutely true. You compartmentalize. I was compartmentalizing everything. And it got me through raising my children. It got me through a career in corporate America. But uh, there was one day where I basically hit the wall. And I realized that if I was going to make a change for the better in my mental health and emotional health, which eventually would impact my physical health. If I was going to really make a change, that I was going to have to walk away from that lifestyle and create a different kind of awareness of myself and a different kind of lifestyle that would help me to remove 
uh, those feelings of anxiety. I had to make some changes. And it was, it was uh, difficult at first, but it was over time. It didn't happen right away. It was over time. And I learned a lot about the importance of meditation. And one of the things that um, uh, you talk about when I was looking at your questions, you said that you have a story to, st uh, to, sh uh, to share about praying and uh, the difference between uh, praying and meditation. Or is there a difference? W what was the story? Well, no, so this was really interesting because um, I like to practice loving kindness meditation and um, studies have shown that people that practice loving kindness meditation are found to be more altruistic. So meaning that if you're sending out wishes for goodwill, you're more likely to help your fellow man than if you're just repeating a mantra. Okay. Uh, so when I teach meditation, I usually morph whatever meditation I'm leading into a loving kindness meditation where you're saying something like, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. And you're, you're, um, you're sending those wishes out to somebody that you're calling, a, you're calling up an image in your mind's eye, right? Like, Sometimes I start people with, it could be a pet or it could be a person that just makes them smile, you know, not a complicated relationship. Mm -hmm. And then you add yourself to it and then you can add neighbors and then you can add cities, states, continents, the all sentient beings, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But um, at one point, many, many years ago, I realized that I was actually praying. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that I, um, I never thought that I was a prayer. You know, I, I, um, I grew up in the, in the Jewish tradition mm -hmm. and I'm really super secular and the prayer book and the idea of like an omnipotent God and the whole God language, I just didn't resonate with any of that. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I realized I'm praying to a universal oneness. That's actually, it, it could be in some people's uh, definition, that could be God. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then I realized when <laughs> I had this fabulous little vignette of a story with this woman, um, in the Bay Area, and she thanked Jesus for me. Um, she said, "Jesus sent you to me," and I and I realized, I'll take it. That's awesome. I'll take it from Jesus, from Allah, from Buddha, from yeah. God. Yes, yeah. Um, I'll, yeah. you know, it's all good, and and we're all connected, and we're all here on this planet together. And how can we all really be one? And you know, when you're at a silent retreat for a week or more sometimes you'll i'm not alone in this sometimes you'll have this visual where everybody is <laughs> sort of like their skin melts off and you just see the candle inside each person you see their light and it's this incredible spiritual thing um and it it could be sort of godlike yes yes I, I had to let go of my, I don't believe in this, that, and the other thing, and just sort of open my mind to, okay, fine. 
there's something that's connecting all of us. Oh, I absolutely totally believe that. And, and to take it even a step further, when it comes to women, I feel that all women are somewhat interconnected and that it's important for us from a mindful uh, perspective to be present when we're spending time with women. And you and I were talking about that, the importance. Why is it so important for women to spend time together? Well, it makes us feel good. Um, as primates, we're wired to connect anyway. Um, and women are so, um, well, really ought to be anyway, um, so communal. And so we're, we're kind of um, horizontal in the way we relate as opposed to vertical the way men relate. Mm. Um, and this really isn't my area of expertise. It's just my point of view. Um, so, so when women are together in community and we're mirroring each other's neurons and we're feeling seen and heard and loved, it's really good juju and it's, it makes us all feel good and we, we should take advantage of it and do the most of that that we can. Show up at those women's marches, participate in those group gatherings, you know, just be with people that share our values. And I, and I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, as I was saying, I, I really truly believe that um, as we get older, uh, we have a tendency to self-select out in, instead of self-selecting in, meaning that we, you know, kind of separate ourselves, don't go out as much, stay home, you know, binge watch our, our favorite, uh, the favorite uh, television series we maybe couldn't watch when we were raising our children. And all that's fine and good, but there's another part of our being that requires the uh, ability to uh, have camaraderie, to be able to have community, to be able to be with like minds, to share experiences with uh, other people, in this particular case, women, uh, that you know resonate with us because of just the life that we're living and the kind of journey that we're on, because this truly is a journey. Uh, and it's, to me, the journey is so much richer when you're able to share it with others. Yeah, when you're able to share it with other people that feel like they're a part, a part and particle of the whole. Yes, absolutely. And, and you can tell, like when you and I first met today on Zoom and when we were looking at each other's faces, I was like, oh, I am this woman. Right. Is that amazing? That connection. And it's interesting. I always say, Julie, that whenever there's a problem with uh, my connecting, because we had that little challenge of connecting for the interview and all that, that means the interview is really going to be powerful and that there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to receive this and something magical is going to happen as a result of reading your book and connecting and listening to this interview. And when I met you, I was like, yep, this is the reason why, because <laughs> there's so much here. Like, like, for instance, there's something that we talked about you know, when we were, I, I was telling you that uh, I have children in my 30s. Yeah. Um, you know, from the 20s and the 30s, my opinion is that for most women, your hair is just on fire. Everything is like, ah, you know, everything's a disaster. Everything's chaos. And then as you get older, you begin to have more of a frame of reference in terms of what life is supposed to be about. And maybe things aren't as crazy, but we still do deal in chaotic times. So mm -hmm. how do we go about staying calm in the midst of chaos and letting go of that hair on fire approach to chaos? Well, it's all about balance. I mean, the entire thing is about equanimity, right? 
I originally wanted to call my class Equanimity 101, and people said, nobody knows what that means. And I said, well, they, they need a dictionary then. Uh, but, but it's, it's, all about, it's all about balancing. Uh, it's all about balancing your entire life so that you can be happy. I mean, you know, what, what, what we were talking about earlier, I don't watch the news. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a million things that you can do that can make you less crazy. That's don't true. let some of the crazy stuff in, That's you true. know? So, um, and, and I put little stickers from the office supply store around my environment, like on my laptop, on my phone, on my mirror, on my dashboard. These are just little tricks so that when you see the little dot of color, you take a breath and you pause. Like it's about the pause, right? Um, Viktor Frankl said, opening up a space between the match and the fuse. Well, in that pause, that's your power. That's your ability to react more skillfully. And when we were kids in the 60s, they used to say, count to 10. And it was because you needed to get your prefrontal cortex online. Now they didn't know that then, but they knew that if you counted to 10, you would be more likely to make a more skillful response. And so what it's about is making a more skillful response, right? And not being so reactive. And if you meditate every day, you're going to be less reactive. Eventually, your meditation practice, whether it's just guided meditation from the Insight Timer app, you just choose a different person and put your earbuds in and follow the voice for 10 minutes every day, or twice a day, 10 minutes, or once a day, 20 minutes, or whatever makes you happy. But if you do that every day, eventually, you're going to be a less reactive person, and you're going to be happier. And if you keep a gratitude journal, my God, the positive psychology, this is brain science now. It was um, Martin Seligman from 30 years ago that did those studies at Penn with college students, making them write down what they were grateful for, for like, I don't know, a few weeks. And then six weeks later, they were still happier, right? So now they have functional MRI machines and they're showing everybody's brains and blah, blah, blah. And they can prove why this works. Well, I don't like to journal, so what do I do? I answer two questions. What did I enjoy today? What am I grateful for today? And one of the scientists said, if you, if you write it with a pen or pencil, you get a better brain benefit than if, you, than if you type it. But if you type it, it's better than not doing it. Yes, absolutely. Whether you, absolutely, I agree with that. And I've done both. And I can tell you that gratitude is powerful. Um, I've had an, a gratitude expert on the show before, and she wrote a book about the seven paths, the seven paths to abundance and uh, or to wealth. And she was talking about these seven steps of um, how to write a gratitude letter and what kinds of things you put in the gratitude letter and the kinds of things she thinks about during the course of the day. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's it's important because we truly do have a choice. We are much more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. And maybe that's because of that inner critic. You talk about that in your book, that inner critic uh, that, that you know, critic. constantly telling us what we can't yeah. do. That I just that, that inner critic needs to stand down. She needs to stand down. She's a bitch. <laughs> so how do you get her to stand down? You make friends with her and you understand that she was really there to try to protect you or to raise, and, and by the way, this isn't true if 
you were an abused child. Um, the, the inner, the inner critic is usually the voice of a primary caregiver and they found that it's, um, usually the person's mother. So if your mother was actually abusive, then, um, these exercises, then I don't recommend the exercises that are in my book. It comes from internal family systems. And Dr. Schwartz is the, um, originator of this and he has an institute where he trains, um, clinicians to do this inner critic work uh, and it's very very powerful so you figure out uh, who the inner critic is and that they were actually trying to keep you safe or trying to have you do your best or whatever it is and then there's exercises where you pick a you pick something a character trait about yourself that you'd like to change and you speak to yourself in writing, like the inner critic would speak to you, and then you, and then you find your compassionate voice, which is actually there. It's the voice that, if you don't know about it, you imagine your dear friend telling you the same issue, like "I wish I exercised more," right? Mm -hmm. and, and the compassionate voice would say, "Like it's okay, sweetheart. Just start slow. You know, pat yourself on the back for what you're doing. Like that's the compassionate voice. The inner critic is get your lazy fat ass up off the couch. Mm -hmm. Right now, which of those two voices is more motivating? Right, exactly. Well, why do you think it's difficult for us sometimes to be kind to ourselves? Oh my God. I think that it's really difficult for us to be kind to ourselves because we've got a very active inner critic mm. and it takes, um, it takes time to learn to treat yourself like you would treat a dear friend. I mean, I, I've been practicing, um, I've been practicing mindful self-compassion for eight years mm -hmm. and I'm now I'm now getting to the point where I can call myself sweetheart. I can say, oh, Julie, sweetheart, that was so hard. And just calling myself sweetheart makes me laugh. And then that helps uh, break the discursive loop of, of what worrying or ruminating I was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's a, they, this is a journey and this is a practice. There's no, it's not like taking a pill and getting a, getting a quick fix. But all of this stuff, taken holistically works and it all helps. Oh, it absolutely does. I, many of the things you talk about I have done and I do a little bit of everything. Uh, and sometimes some things work better than others. But the exactly. main thing is to educate yourself and find out what is available for you because not everything will resonate with everyone. And one of the reasons why I love doing this show is introducing people to, to the idea of an alter, alternative way of dealing with whatever it is that's been bugging you or whatever it is that you're suffering from or wherever it is that you need to heal from. And, right. you know, Sometimes it'll work for you, but sometimes it might lead to something else that's going to work. But I truly believe that the creator placed within us everything that we need to be able to deal with our life as we're on this journey. It's just up to us to open ourselves up enough to be able to receive those messages from whatever the messenger is. It can be you, it could be me, it could be a book, it could be, you know, that voice in your head, intuition, whatever it is. There are opportunities 
that we have to grab that information. And sometimes we just don't because it sounds crazy. We think it's woo-woo or we just have that negative critic saying, that's silly. That's not going to work. But it's amazing. If you can just open yourself up just a mm -hmm. little bit. And sometimes I, I think sometimes I think we don't do it because we're exhausted. Yeah, that's true too. You know, and then it's like, okay, I need to do one thing to get myself out of this funk. Just one. What's, is it, is the sun shining? Step outside. Feel the sun on your face. Now that one thing then can lead you to say, okay, I feel a little bit better. Now what's the next tool I'm going to use? There you go. That's true. It's okay. Baby steps and having your whole toolbox and, mm -hmm. and doing the one thing. What do I need to hear right now? That works a lot for me. Mm -hmm. when, I'm, when I'm suffering with something, I'll put my hand on my heart and I'll say inside my head, what do I need to hear right now? And sometimes it's affirmations, which you know, because I'm sure you've had people on your show that have talked about doing positive affirmations. Yes. They, they work. You yeah, know, like true. all this stuff works. We've yes. got all these tools just pick the one that's easiest to access at that moment and it'll lead you down the path to the next one and the next one and the next one and then you won't put your head in the oven. I mean, that's where I, exactly, but that's where I started. I started with affirmations. I truly believe that what you think about, what you ponder on, what you say out loud, what you read, what you see, what you visualize truly will come to pass. Whether, whether you're saying affirmations to get rid of your anger or saying affirmations because you believe it's time for a new position on your job, whatever, it begins to program the mind to look exactly. for opportunities. Yeah, to look for opportunities to make that thing happen. Right. Uh, it's really not as woo-woo as you think. We are powerful. And we just need to believe that. In fact, I was going to ask you, for someone that wants to start um, the practice of meditation or being mindful, where do they yeah. start? Because so many people say they, this can't even, they don't have enough time, or yeah. they can't get rid of the voices in their head, or they yeah. don't have the discipline. So, where do they start? So here's what I would do. I would, um, I would download from the app store on, um, on either the iPhone or the Android, the Insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, Insight Timer app. It's free. So there's absolutely no barrier to entry, <laughs> okay? And then I would, there used to be 52 meditations. Now there's something like 4,000 or 6,000 or whatever. But they have figured out how to categorize them. So you open the app and you go to guided meditations and it'll say like, how much time do you have? Zero to five minutes, six to 10 minutes, you know, 11 to 15 minutes. Just pick five minutes and then choose something that the heading looks, that might be interesting. This one's for anxiety. Oh, this one's for sleep. Oh, this one's for letting go. Oh, this one's for whatever. Put your earbuds in and follow the voice. It's that easy. And it's called Insight? Insight Timer. Insight Timer. I love it that. Like a, it looks like a gold bowl, like one of those, um, you know, gorgeous bowls that they, that they, gong in uh, meditation centers. I don't know why I'm blanking on the name. I'm having a senior moment, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes. And, and you know, I, I, here's another app that I um, have um, enjoyed uh, from time to time. Um, one called Calm. I love Calm. Yes. But I like the Inside Timer app better. It, okay. Be, because of the timer? I, I don't, I, I just, it's just less complicated to me. Mm -hmm. and it's got such a wealth of different 
It's, it's in all different languages. It's got, I just love it. Oh, I, I like that idea. All different languages. I love that. It's really cool. You can't go wrong. I actually make people do it in front of my face so that, cause otherwise they'll say, oh yeah, I'll do it. And I say, no, I'm not kidding. Take your phone out. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Sometimes you need that extra little push to do some of these things. And then once you start doing them, you just kind of incorporate them into your daily regime. And it, it's amazing. You wonder, how did I get through the day without this thing? Right. And the other thing I would say is, um, I would say, you know, metta, which in the language of the Buddha, Pali, is loving kindness. I would say that if you wanted to start, that you would do a, a loving kindness me guided meditation every day. And what, what is that like? Can, can you do one? Can you do a loving kindness meditation so we can see what it sounds like? Sure. Um, I love that. Sure. How, how many minutes do you want? Um, let's say if you, if you did one for two to three minutes, what, what is that like? Sure. Okay, so, so close your eyes, or if you feel um, anxiety with your eyes closed, just gently gaze downward to minimize your distractions. And let's take three really nourishing breaths in through our nose and out through our mouth together. On this third one, go real slow. And at the top, really sip in a little bit more air and then let it out with a sigh. <sighs> Good. Now relax your eyebrows. Relax your eyes, relax your jaws. Imagining a slight smile to the outside corners of your lips. Dropping that smile down into your throat, into your chest. Relaxing your abs, letting your hips rest on the chair or the couch or the cushion, letting your thighs and your knees go, your calves and your feet, and softening your hands. You might want to place your hand or your hands where you find them soothing. It could be your chest or your belly, your face just for a moment to remind yourself that you're giving yourself loving attention. This is self-care, this meditation. And then relaxing your hands when you feel like it onto your lap, either face up or face down, it doesn't matter. And now I'd like you to call to mind a being that makes you happy. Just choose one for right now. It could be a pet, could be a grandchild, just some individual that makes you smile. A smile naturally arises when you envision this being. When you have them in your mind's eye, really take a note. What color eyes do they have? Or skin tone or fur if it's a dog or cat. And feel for a moment how you feel inside your body witnessing this being that makes you happy. See if you can feel any expansion or warmth, anything at all. And if you feel nothing at all, that's fine too. Now I'm gonna give you traditional loving kindness phrases. If you have your own meta practice already, you can substitute your own. But to this visual, you're gonna be repeating these phrases in your mind. May you be safe. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be happy. May you be healthy. 
May you be as healthy as you can possibly be and may you live your life with ease. May you live your life with ease. When your mind wanders, which it will, you have this visual of this being that makes you happy and these gorgeous wishes for well-being. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. And may you live with ease. In a moment, you're going to add yourself to that snapshot and feel for a moment how terrific it feels to be with this being that just makes you happy. It's awesome. And then, of course, the phrases become, we, may we be safe. May we be safe. May we be happy. May we be healthy. And may we live with ease. bringing up the visual and the phrases. May we be safe. May we be happy. May we be healthy. And may we live with ease. And now gently opening your eyes and coming back into the space. So Linus, I would have if we have Ooh. right it's sweet right? yeah wow it's, it's amazing and for those of you who might have been driving while you were listening to this or walking or whatever when you get home you got to get to this point of the broadcast and play it back and listen to this that is a wonderful exercise so, so i didn't do the whole thing because we didn't have enough time but what i would have where i would have taken you linus I would have taken you to add more characters to your circle of goodwill. Hmm. And then I would have had you broaden it all the way out to the entire planet. And then I would have had you zoom in on just Linus. Hmm. So there's a, um, a free podcast called Balanced Mind with Julie Potiker that um, that's me that hmm. takes people through all these fabulous um, guided visualizations and guided meditations. And um, that's also free on both um, Android and um, iPhone. Now, but, but, but tell me, I just need to know, how yes. did you feel inside? Oh my goodness. Well, I was imagining my uh, granddaughter who is just such a great source of joy. She is such, she's a gorgeous child. She's a beautiful child to look at, but yeah. she has so much spirit. And she has such a secure sense of self to be only two. She looks like she's about five because she's big. Aww. But she's just precious. And she's got so much positive energy and this delightful laugh. And she's just, just joy. special. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And so I was imagining her. And, um, and, and then, you know, we said sitting next to her. I have pictures of when we've been playing together or mm -hmm. talking or whatever. She's one of those kind of kids where she can be high energy, but she can also sit next to me and we'll watch a TV program or read a book, or she'll sit and watch me cook, or she'll go out in the backyard by the pool with my husband and watch him barbecue or something like that. She does that kind of stuff. She's got these two different sides of her. And so I was imagining us, you know, uh, sitting on a blanket uh, at the park, uh, reading a book and tickling each other and laughing and just being joyful. And, uh, you know, it's, it was... Uh, it was a different kind of experience because you're thinking, well, I'm moving around and everything. Like when I come out of this, well, I feel rested, but I felt a sense of peace. Right. And a sense of joy. 
and happiness. You know, they say happiness is fleeting. I don't know if I really subscribe to that or not. I think it's a choice. Mm -hmm. so, my, so, so just hearing you, uh -huh. I'm, I'm actually mirroring your neurons. That's another little uh, factoid that's fun. Ah. Um, so you come out of a, of a loving kindness meditation and you're, you're, you're ready to bust your bra. You're, you're just radiating good juju. It's like love yes. pouring out of your chest. Of course you're going to be better to your fellow man. Mm. right? It's all just this raising up of humanity that's just gorgeous. Which we really need about now. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we really, really need that. Julie, it's been so wonderful. Thank you for the meditation. Thank you for all your wisdom. And thank you uh, for your book. And for those who want to purchase your book, where should they go? Amazon.com. Amazon.com. And the name of the book again is Life Falls Apart, But You Don't Have To. Mindful yeah. Methods for Staying Calm in the Midst of Chaos. And what is your um, website? What's the best website for them to go? To? Oh, it's mindfulmethodsforlife.com. And there's really, really good stuff. I'm all about giving stuff away for free. As a matter of fact, I'm not keeping any, um, any money from the sales of my book. It's all going to charities. So, um, on my website, I have fantastic free stuff in there. I've got other people's stuff in there. I've got other people's books in there. I've got other people's newsletters in there. I'm all about trying to get the healing out for the world and not uh, reaping any personal profit from it. That is beautiful. That's beautiful. And, and for those of you who are looking at the show page, we do have a direct link to um, her website uh, and also a direct link to her book so you can purchase it for Amazon.com. And uh, for those of you who are listening uh, to the broadcast, uh, just play it back. It's uh, MindfulMethodsForLife.com. Write it down, MindfulMethodsForLife.com. And the book, again, is Life Falls Apart, But You Don't Have To. Mindful Methods of Staying Calm in the Midst of Chaos. And Julie, thank you. You've been my calm for today. It's been wonderful. Yay! Yes, well, you, you completely raised me up today. My day was a little bit in the, in the toilet. So. Okay, good. Did we get out of the toilet at least? I'm out of the toilet. My head's out of the oven. It's awesome. All right. <laughs> Another life saved as a result of being mindful, positive, and uplifting, and motivated to be inspired to be well in our mind, body, and spirit. Julie, thank you so much for being with us on The Wellness Journey. And thank you to all of you listeners. I thank you so much for listening to our shows and, and thank the Self-Discovery Network for producing them. It's been wonderful to have you and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. For more wonderful shows like this, please go to selfdiscoveryradio.com, podcasts and see our lineup. And if you wish to support us, we have a funded button. Please stay tuned for our next show.